Welcome to the PR Moment Podcast. Produced in association with the Marketeers Network. Welcome to the PR Moment Podcast. With me, the PR founder, Ben Smith. And this is the third of a new series of bonus pods where I chat to Andrew Block about PR pitches and merger and acquisition trends in the UK PR scene. Andrew is co-founder and non-executive director at Frank PR, and is now the head of PR at new business consultancy firm AAR. He's also a partner at PCV Partners, where he advises on buying and selling marketing services agencies. Don't forget the entry deadline for the Creative Moment Awards is coming up on Friday, the 1st of July. All the details on the Creative Moment Awards homepage. Um, and thanks so much, as ever, to our PR Moment podcast sponsors, the PRCA. Andrew, welcome back. We've extended your probation period. Thank you, Ben. Very grateful. <laughs> so come on. Give us your rundown of uh, pitch wins um, that you've seen over the last uh, month or so. Okay. Well, it's actually been really buoyant, and we're not really seeing any impact from what's going on in terms of the economy and consumer spending crisis and inflation and all those kind of things we're, we're reading about, um, particularly in the consumer sector. So some nice wins. Hope and Glory picked up Depop, which is an extension of the work that they've been doing with Etsy, uh, W1 Fender, so a really nice um, account right at the heart of culture and music, which they've obviously experienced a bit of a boom during lockdown, aiming to continue that. Um, Cow on the PR and social media account for the O2. Um, Manifest um, have picked up Christy Cream, um, and that's to do sort of PR, digital, social influencer, paid work with lots, which is great. Um, and a really big win for the Romans. They picked up Audi and to win a supermarket sort of top six account is extremely coveted. Um, so good work from them. Um, Frank picked up Innocent. They did that really nice um, rewilding campaign in Trafalgar Square a few weeks ago to kick things off. Um, and then the Department for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy, I think I've got that right, have announced their creative agency roster, which is pretty significant. Um, I think it's worth sort of up to about one and a half million a year. Um, and they've started to award campaigns for, um, picked up a big chunk of that. Um, actually, the entire framework, I think, is worth about nearly 500 million. So there's, there's, there's a lot there. Um, sorry, that 1.5 million I mentioned was actually just for Ford's brief. So the actual entire roster is worth 490 million. And that's got you know, other agencies that have made, made it onto the roster, uh, MC Saatchi, Freud's, Havas, um, Engine Group have picked up a part of it, 23 Red. So there's you know, a handful of agencies who could potentially be taking some pretty lucrative work over the course of the next few years. What do you think on rosters? It's always a tricky one, isn't it? Because you're sort of high-fiving if you get on the roster, um, but there's always the danger that nothing actually turns up. Yeah, I mean, look, over my career, I've been on various rosters. Some of them have been extremely successful and lucrative. Others have amounted to nothing. Actually, before, you know, with the government 
going back, I don't know, maybe five years or more, they used to have the COI and Frank were part of that roster for many years. And it was always a bit frustrating because often a lot of the briefs were, they were procurement driven. Nine times out of 10, they ended up going to the incumbent agencies and yeah, we put in quite a lot of time, effort and resource to win, not very much. At other times we've been on rosters and it's been fantastic. I think it just depends how they're managed. Um, so they can be sometimes a bit more of a curse than a blessing. And it's, it's very difficult to know that when you're applying to get onto a roster, but you've got to be in it to win it. So yeah. sometimes, you know, you, you don't really have much choice but to move forward with trying to get onto the roster. And then it's down to you not to be complacent and think that you're just going to be handed briefs every week. You've got to work the relationship and get yourself in a position where you're a preferred supplier. And look, for people like Freud's, Kindred, those kind of agencies have done incredibly, incredibly well out of being part of government rosters over the years. So when it works, works really, really well. Yeah. Now, on, on the M&A side, I mean, it's... it's remarkably busy at the moment there's there's interesting stories almost every week go on give us your rundown of uh, the, the last month or so of MA activity in pr there were definitely no signs of, of slowing down um so there's there's been a number of deals I'm not going to mention them all but a couple that stand out i'll, I'll leave probably the biggest to last um so bgf um which are a pe house have taken a minority stake in MediaZoo. And I think MediaZoo is sort of very, very strong in the sort of digital learning area, content. Um, they've grown very fast in the last year or two. Um, and this is going to help them fund their international expansion, which I think is becoming increasingly important for agencies if they want to compete. And BGF are people also backed four. They, they put, I think, £10 million into four some years back. And we've seen what four have done in the last few years. You know, they're absolutely flying at the moment and making plenty of acquisitions themselves. Um, North Edge, again, another P, um, invested into raw marketing, which is a life science communications company. So they're about I don't know, three and a half million-ish fee income, 40 odd people. So healthcare continues to be a really hot area and a big growth sector. Um, and then Clarity um, acquired 93 times digital. Um, and I think that is, for them, it's a move to strengthen their integrated marketing proposition. For you know, They've got a lot of global tech clients, so now they're going to be able to offer web build, UX, digital, all sorts of capabilities in that area. They also bought, I don't know if you remember, about a year ago, Three White Hats, which is a paid search seo analytics company so they're really strengthening in that tech area um brain labs who have been extremely acquisitive in the last couple of years since since they got PE backing bought fan fan bikes which is a, a a great hot influencer agency and there's no signs of brain labs slowing down um and then the big one which is still to be agreed but kind of looks like it's going to go ahead is, is Next15 and MC Sarchi. So um, maybe a bit of an unexpected deal. They've been going through some sort of wranglings with shareholders trying to take control. Um, it's a really interesting deal. I think 
well, first of all, I think it's good value, but gives shareholders a, a really good return. But there's a great synergy there. And you know, Next15 have got a great presence in the US, they're very strong in the data and the digital side. MNC, um, great UK base, but obviously also global, but real strength on the creative side. And I think, you know, this is what we're seeing now is, is really the future of marketing where data and tech meets creativity. And that blend seems to be what's driving the market. And for Next15, you know, they're, it's a really impressive deal. And they've turned out to be one of these sort of mid-cap agencies that can compete with some of the hottest groups out there, the S4 capsules, the Stagwells, um, and the like. Um, and I think it's a great move for them. Obviously, they just recently completed the engine deal. So they're completely transforming. And it's a PR-driven group, which is excellent to see. And there was a really nice quote that I actually don't know who from MNC Sachi said it, but um, people before spreadsheets was how they sort of won this battle to take over MNC. And to me, it's what I've always believed and we've talked about it before. Culture and that fit between agencies is what is so important. And often, you know, who knows whether this was the biggest financial deal they had on the table, but I think culturally and in terms of synergy and in terms of the potential to grow and expand and return shareholder value, that's clearly sort of what landed Next15 in the position which they're now in, which yeah. they look set to do it. I think it's, and it's, it's an what is it? It's what, it's 310 million, isn't it? It's been um, reported yes. is what they're paying for it. Um, yes. You know, it's, and as you, as you said there, it comes, well, I don't know, a couple of weeks, a month, whatever it is, after the um, Next15 bought engine for 77.5 billion. So they are, they're spending some money, aren't they? They are spending some money. And I think, you know, one of the reasons why the M&A market is so hot at the moment is companies are cash rich and they sort of weathered the storm throughout the pandemic, probably saved a bit of money via efficiencies within the business, forcing them to, in, in some instances, restructure and get rid of people that were potentially excess to requirements. They've spent less on travel and entertainment, etc. And now they've got cash reserves and it's not really earning anything in the bank. It doesn't really serve them a purpose. So they're spending that money um plus yeah, I mean, always with a listed company sorry you'd think next 15 i mean we don't know the the intricacies of it do we but you think if they've spent 310 million on on m and c sarchi they, they they presumably got some debt into that as well haven't they so um yeah i'm sure sure one of them that that yeah. it's there in that sense they're having a go um, would be, yeah. would be the, the, they're the, having a go but i mean you know most of these um p deals do have debt sort of factored into the deal so it's fairly usual to to have debt and yes they're taking a pump but i think you know they've had really a decade of slow well that sounds a bit disparaging to say slow and steady but they've successfully expanded in tech in silicon valley they've got the cash yeah and now they're making making their move to take them to the next level and you know it's the same with all of these marketing services groups the management consultancies it's a bit of a, a rush to kind of get that competitive advantage behind. And I think they probably knew 
that now is the time to do a deal because if you leave it too late, it's much harder to catch up and to compete. And what these big groups are doing and offering to their clients is end-to-end services right from the very beginning of a process through to the end output of creative. And if they don't have all the assets in place across that journey, then they lose out potentially on the whole thing because their rivals swoop in early on in a relationship and then take the whole, the whole lot. So it's a bit of a battleground and it's fascinating to watch. I mean, I've, I found it really interesting, especially with some of the sort of newer groups, the SC4s and so, who haven't got the legacy of lots of agencies. They've started from scratch or businesses like publicists who really, really successfully managed to integrate the various bits of their business to the benefit of a client and obviously to the benefit of the group. You know, models are changing quickly um, and these groups need to act fast, otherwise they get left behind. But your your just to, before we finish, your reading of that is that three hundred and ten million for MNC Saatchi sounds like quite good value. I mean, look, I'm not an analyst, but, but to me, it sounds good value. Their, you know, their share price took a, you know, a hammering basically off the back of some accountancy irregularities, which, by all accounts, they've sorted out. They restructured their board and so on. So, to me, looking at it from the outside in. You know, they're a great group. They're doing great work. They're winning brilliant clients. It feels like their share price, you know, has a lot of room to go. Yet, you know, next 15 of, I, I can't remember what they valued their shares at, but I remember reading it was sort of 40 pence or so more per share, higher than the previous um, bid, which was, was from one of the majority or, or major shareholders in the business. So... I think it's a good deal. It's, it's a good outcome for the company, but you know, critically important to the shareholders as well. And they've got a number of shareholders and they've obviously had to get them all on side to agree. And I think they're still waiting for shareholder approval before they can officially stamp the deal. But yeah, to me, it seems like a really shrewd and smart deal, as was um, the engine deal. I yeah. Mean, again, you know, they... They've got them at a very keen price. Um, and I'd be very surprised if the shares in both, and obviously in that, and now in next with them, don't increase proportionally. They've got they've got a lot of internal integration to, to, be, to be done, haven't they? <laughs> they have. They have. But I think, you know, culturally you can see the fit. And what's always important with these things is there's, the, the, the fit is complementary um, in terms of geographies, in terms of client base, um, yet the skill sets are slightly different, nuanced, but but different. And that's why I think think it's going to work. And just going back to that comment about it being people before spreadsheets, clearly that's what's swung the deal and hopefully got the MC Sarchi management team and shareholders over the line. But, uh, you know, it was reported that, you know, Tim Dyson sort of flew in from... San Francisco and spent several days in sort of the MC Saatchi offices where he he sort of put forward his plans and the rationale for the proposal and he got the sort of vote of the, the senior leader te- senior leadership team um, to back the deal and to go for it. So it was by all accounts a sort of emphatic victory. I think they've got eighteen senior leadership 
members within the MC Sarchi team, and apparently it was 18-0 in favour of Next 15 over the sort of the other party, which was an investment vehicle that had been sort of dragging out for I think since the beginning of the year, right. really. So that those 18 leaders unanimously opposed that approach and decided that they would they would rather go forward with next 15. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really interesting insight this month. Thanks, Ben. Pleasure as always. Thanks for listening to the PR Moment podcast, produced in association with the Marketeers Network. If you'd enjoyed the show, please do review us on iTunes and give us a decent rating.